Welcome everybody. We've got another holiday edition. This is the second holiday movie. Last week we covered Christmas Vacation from 1989. We're going one year ahead. The 1990, what started out as a, maybe not a hit movie, but it's become a bit of a Christmas classic, Home Alone. Joined here with Dave and Joe, and welcome fellas to yeah, another Christmas yeah. edition. Yeah, and this is uh, Been There, Watch That, and uh, our niche, I guess, is reviewing movies sometimes, and we're just starting out, so this is episode three. three episode yeah. three, yeah. Yeah. So it seems like we've been doing it a while because we've been talking about it so much. <laughs> we've been talking about the last couple months and trying to get a game plan together and what we thought people would find interesting, and... Started out with Social Dilemma, and then we did, uh, what was last week? Uh, Christmas Vacation. Yeah, Christmas yeah. Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and now we're back with uh, Home Alone. So, yeah, interesting little gamut. And, Justin, you get to pick for next week, which is what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. So, but this pick by Joe, uh, movie by John Hughes, 1990. Yes. yes. He also did uh, 16 Candles, A Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, all classic comedies. Yes. So interesting uh, spiel there, and then following it up with Home Alone. Yes. Okay. Uh, where do you guys want to start? I will start with the synopsis. Okay. Okay. So the synopsis is an eight-year-old troublemaker must protect his house from a pair of burglars when he accidentally left home when he was accidentally left home alone during his family Christmas vacation. Yeah, and as you said, an eight-year-old. And it's set in the Chicago suburbs, so it's wintertime, ice and snow, you know, bad weather, everybody's bundled up all the time. And, uh, you know, the family's taking a trip to Paris for Christmas, which is kind of crazy, because they had 20 people, they had a van full of people. Yeah, it's a big family. Yeah, Yeah. big family, and they're all going to Paris. And, um, you know, the eight-year-old gets forgotten and left behind. Yeah. And they, they have a lot of subplots and a lot of setting to this with an adult theme, but it's really... You know, kind of a comedy. I, I I wouldn't say slapstick necessarily, but just kind of a, a comedy. That, yeah. You know, runs away with itself there. Okay. So, if I were to ask you, I'm going to ask you now, just kind of a setter question. What What was the most poignant part of the film for you guys? What's the most memorable, poignant part? Just because I'm going to go through a series of questions, but I'm just curious off the top of your head. What caught your eye about the whole thing? What's the most memorable part that you're like, oh, yeah, that represents Home Alone for me? Okay, if we're going to go with that, then probably... Oh, wow, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting this question. Yeah, yeah, I'm, <laughs> and I just said it because when I went down through my notes, there's a lot of insight, a lot of irony. And we just... Okay, did we lose anything? No, I don't think so. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. We had a little power, a little power. in the studio. Yeah, the building, the whole building kicked for a Back second. Backup power. So good, yeah, A&M Digital Technologies provided us with a uh, backup battery system, and uh, Justin installed it a couple of weeks ago because the old one was shot. And uh, thank goodness. Okay. All right, so anyway, mo- just you know, something when you see Home Alone or you think about Home Alone, what's that one scene that stands out in your mind? For, for me, the scene that it doesn't necessarily define the movie, but the one scene I always think of when I think of Home Alone is the part with the tarantula when when with Kevin and the, the bad guys with the tarantula. Yeah. That, okay. That's kind of the scene I always 
okay. kind of veer to. All right. Justin, do you have a particular scene that well, stood I'd out? I kind of forgotten about it until I watched it again last night. And there's like a kind of a, a church scene where Kevin like wanders over to some church and they're yes. like, yeah. doing uh, Christmas yeah, his... caroling and uh, he kind of sits in the pews and has some time to reflect about uh, maybe some things he would want to change about his behavior and right. I've missed his family and stuff. He had that whole conversation with the yeah. the old older fella. With Marley, his neighbor, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was acted pretty well and uh, so I thought that was kind of a nice uh, tie-in with the movie of the theme of uh, appreciating Christmas more and, and your family and so the youngest guy the here part. throws out the most mature answer because <laughs> yeah. mine is always the paint can that he throws off the banister <laughs> yeah. and it catches, you know, one of the bad guys right in the right, face. Right, right. Knocks yeah, his yeah, gold you're tooth going for the out. paint can. I'm going for when they beat each other with, yeah. with the crowbars over the tarantula and Justin's trying to be wholesome. Over <laughs> yeah, here. yeah, yeah. There's a great church scene that kind of brings in family and ties this yeah. whole wholesome image together. Yeah, good job, Justin. So, so this is why we jerk. have Justin... Uh, yeah. Justin's part of this little project. Justin's a jerk. He's, he's kind of well. He's kind of the adult in the whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> so, somebody's got to bring that in, I guess. Yeah. Well, they, I'm surprised that you said the paint king because the way you posed the questions, like, okay, yeah. we actually need to be serious here. Well, I mean, there, there's a lot of underlying serious uh, yeah. tones to this movie, right? But yet mixed in with all the chaos. Yeah. So, like the church scenes, one we'll talk about, right? Um, but as I went down through my notes, I was like, man, there's a lot of irony, a lot of setup. A lot of foreshadowing, but yet it's all surrounded by this chaos of an eight-year-old. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and his hijinks and his ways to fend off these uh, wet bandits, the burglars. So, yeah. okay. So, so diving into it. Okay. Do you want, do we want to go just through a quick cast of who's Sure, who? yeah, yeah. I forgot about okay. that. Yeah, throw out, throw out who's in this. Okay, baby. so the star of the movie is... This got a big cast. Yeah. It has, stars Macaulay Culkin yep. uh, as Kevin. Uh, Joe Pesci. Uh, Joe Pesci has starred in a lot of stuff. He's ba he's more known for more adult roles in in films uh, like My Cousin Vinny, but he plays Harry, one of the bad guys, and Daniel Stern, uh, known for Bushwhack, City Slickers, and here is one I did not know about, so I'm gonna pose this to you guys. Okay. Did you guys ever watch The Wonder Years? Nope. I want to say yes, but I'm not positive. Uh, starring Ben Savage. Yes, Ben okay. Savage and the girl. Okay. And they were kind of, yeah. Daniel Stern was the narrator for that shit. No series. way. Yes. Okay. I did not know that. So if you're trying to put it in context, Daniel Stern was Marv, the other, the tall bad guy in the movie. Yeah. And one of the other uh, famous stars in the movie was John Candy. Classic comedian John Candy. Yeah, he yeah. Starred in Uncle Buck, which... I don't know about you guys, but that will be one of my picks in the future. Just a heads up. <laughs> Uncle Buck's a good one. Yes. Uh, he also I haven't seen it. So be oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Okay, he and Macaulay Culkin's in that film as well. Yeah. And that's it's not holiday-themed or anything? No. Not, no, okay. it's just family-themed, but right. it's a comedy. Uh, Uncle Buck, Camp and, Candy, and Spaceballs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. John Candy did an outstanding job in Uncle Buck. He also did a good job in Summer Rental. Anyway, getting off topic. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, I mean, you know, the whole cast, even the mom and dad are, you know, yeah, headline actors. Uh, now the kids are all, some of them like Buzz, a couple of them are notable, you know, right. you see them in other movies, but the, the adults are all top-notch. Right. Um, I don't know about Marley, the old neighbor, the shovel Yeah, kid. I didn't really see... I've seen him in some movies, but I don't know, like, his name or anything like right. that. Right. Now, Macaulay Culkin was 10 years old when he was in this movie. Yes. 
because a lot of times, you know, you watch movies and the actors are like 16 Candles, Jake Ryan. He's 60 this year. Yeah. So he was probably, I don't know how old he was when he did it, but he was in his 20s playing a high school senior. Yeah. And they do that a lot. I saw, like, uh, what was the first one we did? The Social Dilemma? Yes. You know, the actor that was playing a high school kid? Yeah. He was like 30. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, but anyway, they do that. You know, that's always the case. Yeah, that was, I saw a, a post recently, Macaulay Culkin had posted to Twitter, said, do you want to feel old? I'm 40. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, wow, yeah, never. Yeah, yeah. You know, you always picture him as this little eight-year-old boy yep. and yep. never give it any thought of, like, yeah, that movie is 30 that, years yeah. old. So, yeah, the math does add up. Oh, yeah. And... You know, what's crazy is that he had to carry the load for most of this movie. I mean, you know, you had Joe Pesci uh, kind of carrying some of it. Right. But 90% of the scenes are Macaulay Culkin, and he had to carry it all. Yeah, that's a, that's a heavy load for a 10-year-old. I found a, a bit of information last night that said in the initial screenings of Home Alone, yeah. there was more scenes of the family in Europe, but the test audience has said, no, we want more. Of oh, yeah. Talk. Yeah, they you, you got to keep it more at home and where the action is. Yeah. So anyway, so an 8-year-old, you know, forgotten at home, has to spend a couple of days by himself. Um the first thing is, you know, he, he dwells right into the forbidden stuff that, you know, eight-year-olds aren't allowed to do. You're not allowed to step late, not allowed to watch scary movies, not allowed to eat ice cream, you know, not allowed to sleep in your parents' bed, not allowed to play with your brother's BB gun. So that's, right. that's he hits that hard. Yeah. Was that something you guys related to? Or did you look at it and say, yes, that's exactly what I would have done? Or would you have been a little bit more realistic and hit panic mode and went and found help? Because And I guess the premise is he wished... That his family, you know, Would no longer existed. Right. They'd disappear and he'd just be home alone. And he wakes up and he's got that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could he assumes his wish came uh, true. Eating a huge bowl of ice cream <laughs> covered and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the eight-year-old in me's going, okay, yeah, that's completely plausible of like, okay, you're home by yourself. You know, regardless of the situation, good, bad, or indifferent, but you're home by yourself, what are you going to do? The first thing you're going to do is that, that that entire list of your parents give you said, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Can't do this. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's a no-brainer. That That's the first thing you're going to do. Yeah, go crazy and do all the stuff you're not allowed to. <laughs> exactly. Louis Anderson always told a bit about uh, when he was a kid that, you know, before the, the parents would leave somewhere, you know, his dad would tell him, don't do this, don't let it, don't touch, don't touch the tools. Yeah. He said, we get down in the basement, hey, man, look, I'm touching the tools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> go fire up the bandsaw. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's start the stove. Oh, look at that hammer. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's funny. So, is that, um, you know, and then he rolls into once he figures out that they're targeting his house and he starts setting up his booby traps. So, a lot of, and this this is some of the comments that I, I look back, you know, and online went online and said, "Hey, what are some uh, topics covered for Home Alone or summaries and stuff like that?" And one of them was like Rude Rube Goldberg type traps, yes, that were really extensive for an eight year old. But then some of them were more realistic, like spread marbles on the floor, mm-hmm. yeah, the micro know. machines, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you could do, uh, you know, which is something that was foreshadowed. His dad told him right in the beginning of the movie, he's like, "Hey." If you need something to do, go clean up your micros out of the floor before Aunt, whatever her name is, trips on them and breaks her neck. Yeah. You know I never put that together. Yeah, so that that was in there. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the basement was a big issue for him, you know, as an eight-year-old. You guys, did you grow up with basements? Yes. No. 
Yeah, I didn't either. But uh, you know, were you ever scared to go in the basement, Joe? At night, yeah, there was always just something. <laughs> some, there's something about basements at night. Just, just now, one thing I'd never caught on to. I was older, and I've watched this. I can't tell you how many times I've watched this movie over the years. Was the 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 heater? Yeah, the furnace. Yeah, the furnace. That it actually talked. Yeah, yeah. Because always growing up, I always remember just it making noise. But yeah, I yeah. was quite a bit older before I realized it's like at one point, yeah, it's actually talking, yeah. saying Kevin. Yeah, it had a monster I, in it. Yeah, yeah. I never. Didn't I always just together. remember hearing like groans and noise, but I yeah, never yeah. picked up it initially that it was actually calling him out. So, and it as he kind of goes through that, and the family scrambling to leave to fly to Paris. You have the scene where Joe Pesci walks in, and he's dressed as a policeman. Yes. And uh, he's trying to get an adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I just I, I was tickled by that because I kind of forgot about it when I first saw it again. Uh, you know, I was like, he's in the house already because I you know I've seen it before. I knew the plot. Right. But I didn't remember him walking into the foyer there and trying to get one of the kids' attention. He's like, "Hey, where's your parents?" Like, "Oh, your parents live here?" No, they don't. And they walk off. You know. Or, and just the kids were not giving him the time of day, and he was baffled by it and making these funny quips. Yeah, and because there was like twenty kids running around and not yeah, one yeah. adult in the yeah, entire yeah. mix. And he's like, "Hey, you have parents? Do they happen to live here? Why would they live here? Of yeah. course, never mind." <laughs> you know, and and they're talking about Kevin. He didn't know how to pack a suitcase, and he's helpless. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so all the rest of the kids are giving him a hard time. So he makes his wish. You know, I wish I was home alone. My family disappear, and then bam, next yeah. morning comes true. Yeah. yeah. So have you guys, uh, you know, wished upon a star, made a Christmas wish, and have any of them come true by chance? Oh, I, I guarantee I have. Now, trying to nail one down. That came I'm, true? You had something that was like, all right. Oh, yeah. I, I guarantee it. I have. Now, huh. not, not to the extent of, like, wish my family would be <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, but, oh, yeah, I guarantee I have. Huh. I don't know that I've had one come true. I mean, lately, I'm like, win the lottery. Win the lottery. <laughs> the problem is I don't even play the lottery, so, you know. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to win. Yeah, there's but, some inherent issues there. But obviously. stranger things have happened. Yeah, yeah. Now, I found this interesting. For When they was trying to cast the role of Harry. Yeah. John Lovitz from Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. And Robert De Niro were originally considered for the part of Harry. I can't see that. I can't either. But the problem is I've seen the movie, so you kind of relate right, that character. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, there's no possible way Robert De Niro could do, yeah, do this. Yeah. But looking back now, it's like, okay, Robert De Niro has done comedies, and they've done very well. So it's like, okay, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Back but, then, though, I don't know that he did. Yeah, not not back then. I mean, that's 30 you know, years Years ago. later, he has. Yeah, yeah. Which, which puts him in the possible arena, but John Lovitz, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a great comedian, great actor, but I... I would find myself laughing more than saying, yeah. "Okay, yeah, he's a he's a bad guy." Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I kind of agree with you. I, I, you know, they nailed it with this. Yeah, one. They, the cast was good. You kind of had always as a kid those their dynamic of them, uh, the their kind of butting heads and like how they get mad at each other in when they're messing up. Right. Uh, that was always like one of the most entertaining things for me. The way they cast those two together, they really worked well. Yeah, that yeah. You had tall and skinny, short yeah. and stocky, and you <laughs> the know. little short guy is the one that's like the brains of the alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Pinky in the brain, yeah. and yes. kind of had that whole scenario playing out. Yeah. Yep. So and then uh, you know, of course, uh, Kevin Macaulay Culkin uh, has the neighbor. You know, everybody 
has that neighbor that's scary, grumpy old man. Yeah. You know, rumored to be the killer with a snow shovel. Yeah. You see him out there. Of course, it's wintertime in Chicago, so he's out there with a snow shovel. You know, giving him the stink eye. Um, you guys have anybody in your lives like that that was the scary old neighbor or the mean old neighbor or anything like that that you related to it or did you just take it in as a movie deal? No, we we never had that neighbor... I mean, we're pretty rural too, though, so right. it's hard to kind of yeah, relate to suburbs. A mile away, so I didn't see him much. <laughs> yeah. If he came around lurking through the woods, I'd be pretty scared, though, probably. Yep. Yeah, it's, you know, one of those things that you have to live in the suburbs, I think, to relate to. Right. But anyway, so did that. Did you see. It's kind of hard because I'm sure you guys have. Have you seen a movie before, Justin? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. you know, seeing a movie before you kind of know the outcome. But did that ring any bells for you? You know, you're like, ah, scary old neighbor. Yeah. It's one of those, I can I can see that being plausible because I've had, you know, family and friends that live in bigger towns and cities. And, More urban areas. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things is they talk about, like, well, we don't know who our neighbors are. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know who somebody else's neighbors are because I live in a small rural community. Yeah, he's like, you know, I can almost name everybody that lives within a half mile radius of where I'm at. Right. And, and but you can't tell me literally about the person who lives literally <laughs> like right next door. Yeah. So that that just boggles my mind that trying to that live to live in an area and have absolutely no idea who's literally right in your yeah, backyard right in your or, or yeah. whatever. Well, it turns out, you know, the the shovel killer. The grumpy old neighbor saves the day in the end and kind of has a moment there, you know, where he talks with Kevin and they, he gets reunited with his family. And then, uh, so some adult themes, you know, he's afraid of the basement and then he kind of conquers that fear. He faces his fear. Um, you know, did you go, and Justin, you brought up the church scene. Yeah. So that kind of, that brings in the idea of symbolism where the church is a shelter Mm -hmm. of safety, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it's also a, a point where he, um, Has some time to reflect a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he reflects on himself, which again, just symbolism. And then he also talks with uh, his neighbor, the grumpy old man, and they kind of bridge that gap and become friends and have an understanding. Yeah. So a lot of stuff happens in one scene right there with mm-hmm. symbolism uh, and how it plays out with the church. You know, it's also Christmas. A lot of people, you know, relate going to church for Christmas and so forth. So pretty big adult theme tucked into a comedy with an eight-year-old right and that's i think uh one of the more impressive parts for me with the film is that macaulay Culkin could pull that off yeah uh there is a special on netflix there's a show on netflix called the movies that made us yeah and they did one entire episode on home alone which justin and i both watched and one of the things that they talked about was with this scene in the church the day they filmed it Macaulay Culkin, they actually did it all in one take. Really? Yes. That, you know, he was just so spot on that day that they did that entire scene all in one take. That's so amazing. Yes. You know, and that's, I don't, I never really thought about him being like one of those actors, but as a 10 year old, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's got to be super hard to pull off. Oh, absolutely. Got to be. Okay. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, The two crooks, they call themselves the Wet Bandits. Mm -hmm. Yes. So before I start in on that, what's your all's take on the Wet Bandit deal? What are your thoughts? Kind of how do you see it? Did you did that have any impact for you? They kind of stereo or stereotypical of your bumbling fools that that you know 
there there's the reason they're the crooks but because <laughs> they're not they can't be smart enough to do anything else so they they turn to a life of crime so they think that that's the easiest and quickest way to make a buck is to yeah. try to shyster people and steal from people justin do you yep. have any thoughts on the wet bandit deal uh but a bit of a kind of a they're so bumbling that they don't feel as menacing that's probably a thing that they're trying to go for just not not make them super scary find that right balance of these are bad guys but not so bad that you totally hate them yeah yeah but you still get a kick out of seeing them get hit in the head with a paint can so, yeah. yeah well it's funny because marv was infatuated with you know as he said his big quote in the movie was all the great ones leave their mark yes yeah. and thinking that you know they were great because he accidentally left the faucet on one time and flooded the house and the police picked up on it like why did why did they flood it and then you know newspaper reporter dubs him as the wet bandits and marv's all about it yeah so he's almost more focused on leaving their mark than he is going around stealing valuable stuff yeah yeah he if he wastes want, time on it yeah if he wants to be a criminal he wants to be a famous criminal he doesn't want to be just your average yeah you know, house robber he wants to be known hey this is me and it's kind of crazy to think that that's where he's seeking his fame and fortune yes yeah. <laughs> we're go we're gonna gain notoriety from this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um in the end it ends up helping police solve the other cases they're like oh you guys all right well we just solved boom all these uh robberies yeah that that was what i thought was why would you set <laughs> yourself up because now every place has been flooded yep boom it's you, you guys you know the deal yeah yeah so Kind of came back full circle for him. But, of course, you know, Marv's like the bundling, bumbling idiot of the deal. So, you know, to be expected. But, uh, you know, it said that whole thing came about. And Buzz made a comment in there. You know, we live on the most boring street in America. Nothing ever happens here. You know, is that <laughs> kind of a little bit of foreshadowing? Yeah. Oh, by the way, your house just yeah. got picked to get robbed. Yeah. <laughs> so, interesting stuff. Okay. So the wet bandits thing, back to that. I mean, kind of funny. It added that funny element of all, oh, okay, yeah, you know, you're kind of a prankster as you're robbing from people. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, that's where you're going to seek your fame and fortune. But uh, as far as the movie goes, it was just one of those little nuggets that they tucked in that mm -hmm. kind of give you that idea that these two are funny, even though they're doing something really bad. They're, you know, robbing a house. Yeah. And now they're trying to catch an eight-year-old. Right. But hey, we're the wet bandits. We're gonna flood it too. Yeah, <laughs> that was a priority. All the great ones leave their mark. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so <laughs> still stuck on the wet bandit thing. All right. Anyway, makes me want to think that, well, that like, somebody whole scene where they the whole house was flooding. Yeah. Uh, that behind the scenes sort of thing we would watch the. That whole set was built over top of a pool. Yeah, so they just the cycled all the water in. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, the where they actually shot the the movie was in an old school, and that school was actually the same school that was featured in Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Uncle Buck. It was New Trier High School. Huh. So literally, all the scenes in the entire movie, except for the exterior of the house, yeah. was shot in this old high school. Nice, I could see that. Mm -hmm. That'd be easy. Like to do. In the gymnasium, they just set up a yeah. huge so, uh, set in there. At the beginning of the movie, you know, when Harry dresses up as a cop and he comes in, and you know, mm -hmm. there's no adults around, 
and they kind of choose that as the easy target. That's the little bit of foreshadowing of, you know, what's going to happen, how it's going to go down, and then how easy of a target it is going to be, which you would think that. Of course, Kevin gets left home alone. So what was your favorite uh, booby trap of Kevin's? Of course, I've already said mine's the paint can. Right. But, you know, he did a lot. He burned them. He put ice. You know, they kind of tar and feather. Yeah. I mean, it, it's he beat them up. Yeah, the blowtorch to the top of the head, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, where he heated up the doorknob, the knob, that was yeah. good, too. I like that yeah, one. so what was that thing that he put on there to heat the, the doorknob up? You know, I don't even know. And I've seen it, you know, a lot, but I have no idea what that device actually was. Yeah. We'll look it up. I'm going to try to look it up real quick. So... If you had to, if you had to pick, while I look it up, what mm-hmm. what was the favorite booby trap? Well, I did I did like the uh, just the very simple one of the toy cars and <laughs> sending them flying with that. But yeah, I'm gonna have to go with the hot uh, doorknob. The ice out front was pretty good too, mm-hmm. and it coming off. Yeah, steps. yeah, I like the ice. It's something that is so simple. That and it's easily disguised because it's just that time of year where it's out there and nobody gives it any thought until it's too late. So they're saying that it's an, a heating element shaped like a loop, which, and then someone else says it's an electric barbecue starter. Uh, I don't okay. think that's right. Okay. It's a handheld freezer defroster element. Okay. But it also says it wasn't designed to get that hot, but that's what it is. Okay. I guess uh, stuntmen through throughout the years have kind of referenced Home Alone, like wow, kind of look up to the stunts they pulled in terms of slipping on those front steps and falling on concrete. They're like, that's uh, impressive. They, as a stuntman, that's what you are want to go for to be able to throw yourself down a thing of steps like that and not get seriously hurt. Yeah, and, yeah. and have no impressive. padding or protection because you can literally just watch and just flap in the air and hit the ground. <laughs> and I have to say. I was shocked and surprised by how well they covered the stuntman up. Because, you know, there's some movies, yeah. no yeah. matter how good they are, it's like, yeah, that's a stuntman. No, there's the actor. Yeah. There's the stunt. You can see the transition back and forth. Home Alone, yeah. almost, I mean, I, I cannot find... Uh, when Kevin goes down a zip line, there's one time I noticed, like, that's clearly a, a, the an stunt older man. kid. Yeah. Or someone not Kevin at all. He changed in size to... Totally. See, I didn't even pick that one up. I didn't either. But I was paying attention more Harry Mark because I never, I had never given any thought of mm. uh, of Kevin with, on the zip line and them using the stunt double. I mean, it makes sense now, but it's like never, never crossed my mind because when I hear stuntman, I'm more thinking of you know the slips, trips, falls, stuff like that. Yep. So I was paying more, focus more on that, and and they did a terrific job in blending all that together where you can't tell the difference between stuntman and actor. Yeah, I don't know. it seems like they do some a little bit of a, just like a motion blur or something to where, yeah, the face is not totally clear, but it doesn't yeah. look totally off either. It's right, like, yeah, they yeah, didn't. They back, I'm looking at it online here. They back the camera way up. Yeah. So you, you can see that he's going it's across, but it's, yeah. Less detail in the, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. They have one. Somebody zoomed in, did a close-up, um, and you can tell it's it's a bigger kid. Huh. So it says there's no way they're going to risk Macaulay Culkin 
That's why thirty year old stunt double actually performed all of his stunts. Yeah. So yeah, you're right, thirty year old. Huh. Huh. I mean, yeah, I wonder how many different stunts uh were needed for Kevin's character, the kid character. I didn't remember him doing too many and jumping that, off things or anything like that. Right. Well, the Steen and Buzz's room with the bookshelves. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. That's where they said they used one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, here's an interesting fact that a lot of people don't realize. So when Kevin goes into Buzz's room and starts going through all his stuff, the picture he picks up of Buzz's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys know the story behind it? I do. I'm looking at it right now, actually. Okay. So Justin's shaking his head no. So the, the girl in the picture is actually the son of a film's art director, they, they dressed him up as a girl because director Chris Columbus thought it would be too cruel for some girl, actual yeah. girl, to go through her entire life being the ugly girl in the picture frame. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's smart. That's thoughtful of him. <laughs> yeah, I read that. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Because, I mean, that, that is one of the more iconic scenes. It's like, yeah. oh, that's your girlfriend. Wolf. Yeah, wolf. And then just throw the picture <laughs> off to the side. And and seeing that they actually went that extra step to make sure some little girl yeah. wasn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. permanently scarred as being the ugly girl in the picture. It's like, oh, that's awesome. That, yeah, that's a smart call by him. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and then Macaulay Culkin actually drew his battle plan himself. Hmm. So that was his writing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, and then they did not use any computer animation, uh, manipulation on the furnace. So they used uh, crew members with fishing line and flashlights. <laughs> so pretty good work there. Yeah, it was crazy on how little of a budget that they made this movie on. Yeah. I think it was, uh, what was it, Justin? It was like uh, less than $15 million or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was 13.7 that ended up being, it was supposed to be, I think, to be a fifth, around 15, but yeah, they kind of went back and forth with the studio, and the studio was kind yeah. of, uh, ticked off at them because they kept climbing. It was supposed to be ten or yeah. 12, they came in. At ten, they came in. Yeah, start thirteen out, max and yeah. It started out at ten million. It started kept creeping up. And actually, this was supposed to be a Warner Brothers picture. Really, but, but the budget kept going up. And and the, what they said in uh, the movies that made us was that Warner Brothers was getting ready to pull the plug on it. And somehow, mysteriously, Fox got a hold of the script ah. and they're not supposed to do that until actually Warner Brothers gives the call and says eh, Nixon. Right. so somehow Fox got a hold of it and they told him said look when Warner Brothers gives you the call hang up the phone call us and just don't stop what you're doing yeah yeah and that's what they did literally Warner Brothers sent a guy from each to each office inside the school saying okay we're done we're going you know pack it up go home we're, you're, you're done you're fired and literally, the the uh, who was that Justin that was walking in right behind him, mm-hmm. and yeah. saying, "Ignore that. Keep on what you're doing. Fox has it now." Nice. Well, and you know the movie they got that big line, "Keep your change, you filthy animals." Yes. And uh, that that was actually a movie they made just for that. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a real movie. Yeah, it wasn't a real movie. Angels with uh, filthy souls. <laughs> yes. And they did the same thing apparently in Home Alone too. Yeah, yeah, that angels was, with even filthier souls. Yeah, because that was the scene that they used when the whole hotel staff came into the room in Home Alone Two. Mm-hmm. That was the film he played to keep them at bay. Yeah, and then uh, the original closing scene of Home Alone, it was Harry and Mark, the Wet Bandits, in prison watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah. Um, so the scene where the wet bandits almost run over, you know, Kevin. Yes. You guys remember that? Yes. So they did that in reverse to keep him safe. Really? Yeah. So they pulled the van right up to him, mm-hmm. had it in reverse, and then slammed it backwards to make it seem like they had come into a screeching halt. Really? I mean, yeah, yeah. as long as I, I'm, I know that they wouldn't have actually put him yeah, in harm's yeah, way, but yeah. to do it backwards like that, yeah, it, it almost doesn't seem plausible. I mean, to look at the movie that that, that film was that that shot was actually put in reverse. Yeah, and some of the stuff they did with him, if you notice, like if you watch, whoever's listening to this, if you go and watch it. Um, if you pay attention in the first part of the movie, they video him from up high, making him look smaller. Mm-hmm. And then as the movie goes on, it changes to where now they're videoing him from underneath of him, up making him look taller. So as he got more confident in what he was doing, he also mm-hmm. appeared to be taller in the movie. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense too. So starts out he's just the little kid, and everybody's kind of looking down on him. All the other family members. With that uh, angle, making him look, uh, yeah, more diminutive. Yeah. Mm. So John Candy absolutely knocked this one out of the park as he always does. And here's here's a little trivia, Dave. I unless you find it here while you're scrolling through, uh, his lines in the movie, yeah, basically improvised everything. Really? Yes. Yeah. Wanted him to read out the script, and he said no. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, I'm just so, do my own thing. Yes, yeah, so he basically and everything he filmed was all shot in one day. They completed it all in twenty three hours. Wow. And he was doing that for a favor. Justin, remind me who mm-hmm. who was the favor? He did it as a favor for what was it? John Hughes or was it Chris Columbus? Mm, I want to say Hughes. I'd have to say Hughes. Yeah. So he did it as a favor for him and took the standard SAG Screen Actors Guild payment plan. So John Candy was originally only paid $414 for his appearance. Wow. The pizza guy yeah. made 500 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so he made less. So John Candy was paid less than the pizza than guy. Than the pizza guy. Yeah. So it, this says John Hughes wrote Home Alone in nine days. That is crazy. And uh, he had two inspirations. His family returned from a trip in Europe where he wondered what might have happened if one of the kids were left at home. And then it was also inspired by the Uncle Buck movie. Mm. But, yeah, interesting. And it came out Thanksgiving week against Rocky Five. Really? Yeah, this this movie was fighting an uphill battle from Go. It came out Thanksgiving week against Rocky Five, established, you know, franchise. Cisco and Ebert hated it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they couldn't. They gave it a one star rating. Couldn't give it any worse rating than what they did. Yeah. I wonder they, if they they came around on that years later. Maybe. Well, it set a Guinness World Record, um, 1990 highest grossing live action comedy in history. Yeah. With and highest grossing film in 1990. Two hundred eighty five million dollars. It yeah. ranks right up there with E. T. and Star Wars. Wow. And it was number one for twelve weeks. You know, and uh, he tried to do, Columbus tried to do Home Alone 2 as quick as he could before McCalkin grew up. Mm-hmm. And um, the studio didn't really want to do it, but he got it done in 1992. Yeah, and surprisingly, oh. it didn't hit as much fanfare as original. I remember seeing that one in the theater as a kid. 
The first one or the second, second one? The second one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing the first one. I think Mom and Dad actually took us twice. They We went and seen it once, and they actually enjoyed it so much that when it came to the... I think we went to Parkersburg and saw it the first time, and then when it came to the Roby, I think we went and seen it again at the Roby. Yeah. And I don't... I'm. We probably went and seen the second one in in the theater as well. But still, so Justin... Mm-hmm. What compared between the two, which one do you like better? Oh, it's tough. I I like two a lot, so it's it's right up there with one for me. I think. But dead dead heat between the two. Yeah, in those situations, you kind of just have to give it to the original by default. Right. <laughs> if they're if they're equally as good, you give it to the original. Yeah, right. yeah. I think you have to go that way. Yeah. Because with the second one, the sequel, you can always kind of play off the first one, which I think makes it easier. Yeah. But the sequels aren't always as good, but yeah. Okay. Well, let's hit, let's hit on some heavy themes here. Okay. Uh, the importance of family. So again, adult underlying themes. Yes. You know, he wishes his family away. He gets his wish. And then throughout the movie, he learns that he likes his family, even though they seem to pick on him all the time. Um, so he gets first freedom and then he realizes that, you know, he wants his family back. Did that strike a chord for you guys or was that covered up by the comedy? It kind of puts in perspective that, yeah, he gets his freedom, but as we all realize, freedom comes at a cost, and sometimes that cost is more than what you think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, and then with that, um, why were the wet bandits so important in this movie? Do you guys think of that at all? Um, you know, it was a complete accident that they developed this mantra as, or the reputation as the wet bandits and they were looking for fame and fortune, but you know, they're too bumbling to get that. Right. And it's that fable or fairy tale of if I act like a star, seem like a star, I'll surely be a star. Yeah. Fake it until you make it. Yeah. There you go. Did that theme come through for you at all? Or was that just something that was overridden again by the comedy? For me, that was kind of over... The comedy kind of overrode it. Yeah. I, it was one of those I never... Yeah, you, you catch it when when he said, when uh, <clears throat> Marv says, yeah, all the great ones leave their mark. Yeah, and, and you laugh, but but I, I never gave it much thought of it. it. was, okay, yeah, he's trying to get... He's trying to become famous out of this. Yeah. This, was, this is going to be his path to fame and fortune, his claim yeah, to yeah. fame, per se, that... We're the wet bandits. You yeah. Know, we're right up there with uh, and, and Bonnie Ro- and Clyde. And Robin houses for a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. You know, it's kind of silly. He's on, on the low scale. So I did, I think you're right. For me, it overshadowed it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it until I was reading one of the reviews online and I was kind of writing my notes. And I was like, you know, that he, he repeated that several times throughout the movie. And even at the end, we're the wet bandits. And he was so proud of it. Yeah. But yet, you know, he's going to jail. Yeah. And he's, you know, small time. Yeah. And it was just wet bandits because they were goofy and dumb, not because of anything yeah. extraordinary. So, right. But I thought that was a neat that someone brought that up as, you know, an underlying theme that kind of, you know, was ingrained into the movie, but yet overshadowed. Big time. Yeah. Did you, uh, Justin, was there anything about that whole deal that, you know, you're like, yeah. Yeah, for me, they're kind of just the the villains to contrast with the, yeah. who becomes the hero of the movie and the, and Kevin, the kid, uh, gives him someone to go head-to-head with. Right, right. Sets up the plot. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, and then on a more serious note, you know, you had to pass, Kevin had to pass through the trials and kind of grow up and mature in two days. Yeah. You know, he battled the furnace monster. You know, he made friends with the old man that was a scary old snow shovel killer. Mm -hmm. uh, he had to fight through the trials and tribulations of doing what he was forbidden to do. Right. You know, and kind of came to amends with it. And then, uh, and then had to survive and stave off these two criminals as an eight-year-old. Pretty big growing up theme in two days. Plus, perform daily tasks that we all take for granted. Yeah, grocery and, shopping. Yeah, and convince people that, yeah, I'm not here all by myself. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. To have the quick wit to, to be able to handle, yeah. handle the stress of that situation. And one of the things was, one of the scenes was, hey, is this toothbrush approved by the American Dental Association? Yeah. And kind of give the clerk a look because the clerk's like, are you by yourself? What's going on here? You know? And yeah. So he kind of pulled that off, proving that he was yeah. capable as an eight-year-old to do adult things. Yeah, right. Yeah. So pretty pretty serious uh, theme there to a comedy. And back to the whole, if you were eight in that situation, could you grocery shop? Could you go buy yourself a toothbrush? You know, figure that all out. I don't know. Well, living in rural West Virginia, <laughs> I don't think you, grocery shopping would be as convenient because... Yeah, you, you just know, couldn't walk to the normal store unless you're right now. Yeah, now. because it's three miles one way from our house to yeah, the yeah. grocery store. So one, yeah, so that that's out just on, yeah, on, yeah. on geography alone. Yeah, huh. it'd be a long day. Yeah. <laughs> and around here, everybody knows everybody. So literally, if any one of us was yeah. eight years old walking along the street carrying bags of groceries... We couldn't make it 30 yeah. feet without 50 people stopping. Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, pretty much interrogating you in the middle of the street. Why don't you get in? Give you a right. We'll, we'll take you home. What are you doing by yourself? But, you know, oh, yeah. in a small town, there's absolutely no way any of us could get away with this. You know, and that's so true. So, Kale, when he first started driving, he drove his Jeep over in the ditch. Not, well, maybe on purpose, but probably not. He says, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to see, you know, I got a Jeep. But he's got an old Jeep. and uh, But he went over in the ditch, and it just sucked it up. He buried up to the axles. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, somebody took a picture of him and sent it to me before he could tell me. <laughs> and uh, so he called, you know, like five minutes later. and was like, hey, buddy, what's going on? And he's like, uh, well, and I was like, let me guess. You're stuck in a ditch, right? <laughs> he's like, what? How'd you know? And I was like, uh, school bus went by you, right? And he's like, yeah. I was like, well, one of the kids took a picture of you, of course, and then sent it to their parents who then sent it to me. So, yeah. yeah. Small town, man. So, and then, you know, somebody come along, he pulled him out. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's one of the... <laughs> you can't get away then. Yeah, living in a small town, it, it's a double-edged sword. It's a blessing and a yeah, curse. It's yeah. a blessing because you know everybody, and it's a curse because everybody knows yeah, you. Yeah, you know everybody. <laughs> so kind of funny. Okay, and then uh, one of the real big scenes was the church scene, you know, with uh, kind of showcasing children's sincerity and understanding uh, or the ability, I guess, to understand big picture stuff. He's talking with Marley. You know, it's like, well, where's your family? And they have that whole conversation. He's like, well, why don't you just make up with them? Why don't you just, you know, um, make amends yeah. and kind of do that? And that's what you see at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, of course, Marley saves the day as well. But that was one of the themes that, you know, kind of, I'm sure struck a chord with some people. And Justin, you, you pulled that out as your most memorable scene being the adult in the room yeah. here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then you, you kind of contrast that with Macaulay Culkin wanting to, or Kevin, I guess, the character Kevin, yeah. shaving 
and then slap it on aftershave and you get the old ah face. Yeah, and that was a pure accident because originally the script said he was supposed to pat his face and then take his hands away and yeah. then scream, but he didn't. He yeah. didn't. He left his hands on his face and then scream. They said leave it in. And yeah. That ends up being the prominent, you know, photo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of crazy how you go from two scenarios there. One, a kid trying to grow up, and then in the second scenario with the church, the kid giving advice to an older man that helps him reconcile with his family. Yeah. So, a lot of themes in this movie, even though it's a comedy. Although I, I do think it's funny is when he's asking for everybody to come home, uh, and he tells Santa, if if he has time, I guess Uncle Frank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Uncle Frank's kind of portrayed as the bad guy. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk. Could he be classified as the Cousin Eddie of Home Alone? <laughs> I don't know, man. you got to go a long ways to reach Cousin, well, well, cousin Eddie. Okay, status. let me pitch this to you. He's the relative that everybody kind of grumbles around. He's always uh, trying to get something for nothing. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, th- there are some Cousin Eddie-esque uh, niches in Uncle Frank. If, yeah. If you, if you I mean, kind of, but I, I don't know. Yeah, Uncle I mean, he, Eddie's special, man. Yeah, he, he's a long way from Cousin Eddie, but there's still some just <laughs> little Cousin tidbits. Cousin Eddie, yeah, sorry. There's still some little tidbits of want something for nothing. You yeah. Know. Well, I think you got to, you know, for a movie... I'm sure people sit around and say, all right, we got to draw in a little bit of this character from another movie just to grab that spice. Right. So, you know, you got to, you know, like Justin, you talked about earlier, you got to have a nemesis for the hero. Right. Everybody's got to have some sort of Cousin Eddie deal. Yeah. Right. The whole movie was Kevin, like, wandering around doing the chores and adult. Yeah, yeah. Going to the grocery store up and over, that'd be pretty. Now, I, pretty I call. I call foul on the scene where he's walking back home with the bags full of groceries and the yeah. whole bags bust out. Yeah. You guys know just what I do. There's yeah. no possible way that milk carton, of course, now, no time, that was a 1990s milk carton, so yeah, it's probably yeah. a little thicker. There's no possible way that if <laughs> that didn't any blow one of us would have walked out of the grocery store today and the bags bust out, that that carton of milk would survive. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. All right. Well, um, as we look towards the end, that's all the notes I had and kind of going through those scenarios. Uh, so now I'll ask you again, thinking through all those things, what scenario stands out in your head now as far as the most prominent scene in the movie? And I said the paint can. And Joe, you said... I said the, tar- the tarantula. The, the tarantula. tarantula yeah. yeah. And, and Justin, you, you said the church scene. So mm-hmm. did, that, did your opinion change now that we kind of walked through the movie, or is it still those scenes? I, I'm going to have to change my answer and go with Justin on this one. It he he's shown me the way of uh, <laughs> the the church scene is as small of a scene as it is compared to you know the yeah, houses and the rest and of the action the rest, the rest of the action that it kind of sums up a lot of the the movie of you know just because what seemed like a good idea at the time obviously isn't that right. you know there's always opportunity to make amends and yeah. to to rectify a, a bad situation. Okay, Justin. Mm. I'm gonna go with the tarantula now. I like <laughs> oh, you guys, come on now! Really, you gonna switch positions here? Yeah, I, I like that tarantula scene. That's oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm gonna have some to... great slapstick stuff though. That, for me, as a kid, that was my favorite part. Yeah, all the slapstick stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So, so Dave, are you staying? No, the... I, I kind of I flopped to the end of the scene where Marley, the grumpy old man, makes up with his family. 
Okay. I thought, even though it is a comedy that has all these, you know, pranks and hijinks and funny things, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of, you're just, at the end of the movie, you walk away feeling good. You know, even there's so much silliness throughout the whole movie. Right. You end on that note of, ah, all right, Marley, you know, I wouldn't say made it right, but had that closure with his family. Right. So that's kind of like the feel-good moment. I so thought I like that. mom did a good job of just, uh, she was believable as a mom. And yeah, yeah, really that's panicked and going to do whatever she had to. She had some good moments between. Riding the back of the bus with the band. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I am going to get home. Yeah, yeah and, and that kind of shows the the never stop uh, of a parent, you know, it, willing, really, literally willing to <coughs> risk their life for their child, you know, no matter yeah, what yeah. happens, Whatever I'm they going do. to get home to my kid. Yep. Period. Yeah, and I think everybody, every parent can relate to that. And yet, you still had the cop at the house when he knocks on the door. Uh, nobody, there's nobody at home. Make them count their kids again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I got to say though, that initial scene kind of struck me when Joe Pesci walks in dressed up as an officer and no adults around. Yeah, that's kind of now that I know about it and I made my notes and stuff and I'm like that's pretty big foreshadowing. Uh, it strikes me as funny just because of his little quips and the kids just not caring that there's a policeman standing in the foyer. Yeah, he's like, yeah, hey, yeah, whatever. I don't even live here, yeah, so I don't care. Yeah, there's people all around the house. There's a cop and a pizza yeah. guy there. Yeah, and nobody cares. Or yeah, knows. nobody could care less. Yeah. So inter- interesting stuff. All right, so. Our rating system, burnt popcorn, just terrible, can't ever watch or think about again. Small, medium, large, and then mop bucket based off the Roby Theater deal, uh, our local theater. Um, So where's your ratings fall, gentlemen? Justin, you want to go first? I'm going to go large on this one. Really? Yep. It's a classic for me. Okay. Uh, I think it's held up pretty well. It's still entertaining. Yeah. Yep. So, so Dave, you want to go next? Yeah, I'm going medium. Okay. Just because it was a little over the top for what an eight-year-old could do and pull off. Um, you know, I just, I think, I couldn't get past the two two adults would have got him quickly. Right. You know, just because, yeah, you know, it, they were silly pranks, but they were well executed. But I couldn't get past the whole, there's no way an eight-year-old could roll all this up and have that much foresight and planning. Right. You know, especially in an amount of time. So reality kind of, you know, and I know, you know, like we watch National Lampoons. There's not a lot of, it kind of beat me up with them too because when they, he forgot to bring a saw, so somehow they walked out in the middle of the field and got a whole tree, roots and all, out of the ground. Yeah. Yeah, that was It's one of those things that's just like ridiculous. But so, so yeah, so that's, I'm going to go with medium. Okay. I mean, it's a classic. It's got a lot of good stuff to it. It's got a lot of stuff I didn't think about with the adult themes. But uh, yeah, it's a medium. Okay. Okay, so now I'm going to shock you guys on this one. Okay. I'm going full-on mop bucket. No way. Yes. All right. All right. You got to justify it. Okay. So, for one, the entertainment value. This is one of those movies that it doesn't matter when, uh, what year you show it. There's It still stands the test of time because a lot of movies don't age well. Yeah. But it, whether it's technology or references or things like that. With this movie, there's no references that age it. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then... Now that we've discussed a lot of the themes of the movie, right. that kind of puts in a little more of appreciation of, you know, just be careful what you wish for. Right, and, right. And what looks good on paper may not be yeah. what, what it's cracked up to be in reality. Yeah, yeah. So the adult themes kind of tied it together for you. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, you know, 
Good job well done by the review team is what I say then. That's right. <laughs> All right. So Home Alone. So a mop bucket, a large, and a medium. And we kind of flipped because I was really big on National Lampoons, and you two were not. Right. I, I liked it. What did I get? I think I gave that a medium. You gave it yeah. a medium, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and I was a large mop bucket I'll in give between. It a, Medium and a half. <laughs> yeah. Overflowing medium. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Overflowing medium. Yep. Okay. Well, so that's uh, been there, watched that. Uh, our movie review of Home Alone, the original with Macaulay Culkin, which is now roughly 30, 31 years old. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so pretty good reviews. You know, it's on TV a lot, so it's easy to catch. So make sure you watch it. And when you do watch it, look for all the little hidden gems. And what did you two watch? You two watched the uh, behind the scenes? Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's a special called The Movies That Made Us. And each episode, they take one movie and break it down and yeah. give you a lot of the stuff that went on behind the, the scenes. Yeah, the inside scoop. Okay. They, I saw there's a spinoff to that, which is all holiday movies that made us, that same series. Movies yeah, that right, made right, us, right. And they're doing a holiday okay. series. Definitely something to check out. All right. Well, show number three in the books, gentlemen. We're on our way here yep. with our. Been there, watched that podcast series, and uh, I'll have to come up with a, a recommendation for the next one. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. So, so join us next week for Justin's pick. Yep, and uh, we'll see what movie we're going to watch and how we'll talk about it and do up our notes. Have you guys seen The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, or heard of it, or know anything about it? I've heard of it because I want to say Zach talked about it, but I don't know. Never heard of it. It's a Coen Brothers movie, and I've heard it's good. And that's not necessarily my pick, but. It's uh, I'm kicking it around. A consideration, mm-hmm. huh, Joe? Which way you think you'll go for your next pick? I don't know. because you'll be you'll be after Christmas, so you'll be ringing in the new year. Yeah, I I honestly don't know. I mean, there's so now that we're actually doing this, and when I go through the the movie list, it's like there's so many great movies that mm-hmm. that are classics to to go back and rewatch. It, it's very hard to. Say okay, let's do this one this week. Oh well, no, let's do this one next week. So for me, I have a very short attention span the way it is. So it's very hard for me to just sit down and go, yes, this is it. Now, like since we had a theme and it was Christmas, it, was, yeah. it made it a little easier. So I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be a toss up for me. Yeah, that's a newer one, but then I just this list of uh, great movies on Netflix right now. And there was like a a Schwarzenegger action film that kind of uh, tempted me a little bit too. Just to do keep it in the 80s and 90s type yeah, yeah. realm and i'm i'm kind of leaning a bit. yeah in my opinion i'm i'm kind of leaning towards lesser known movies that are mm-hmm. uh people might have overlooked or not thought to watch right so that's kind yeah, of where that, i'm going but go, uh, you said uncle buck and yeah know, it'd be something that i'd be interested in seeing because i like john candy and yeah and that's definitely some some movies that i missed that 90 percent of the country <laughs> has seen oh yeah well yeah. i mean uncle buck is probably not a very mainstream movie yeah because it doesn't really have a holiday theme or anything like that that gets it playtime. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Sometimes do ones that uh, you guys have seen or only I've seen or yeah. none of us have seen. Totally yeah. coming in fresh. Too. I mean, Buster Scruggs, come on. Yeah. All right. So it's uh. Okay. Well, hey, that's what this is about. So yeah. The uh, even the weakest Coen Brothers movies better than many other <laughs> movies out there. I don't know. We'll see. I'm yeah. I'm excited. I'm gonna go watch Step Brothers, <laughs> <laughs> just for just yeah. for giggles. All right. Well, anyway, episode three in the books. Justin, take us out of here, man. All right. Episode three, the Home Alone, the 1990 hit, and uh, 
We had a our first mop bucket, I think. Yeah, a first yeah. official mop bucket. We had a first mop bucket from Joe. So it's, uh, yeah, Joe had Joe had to hit that mark. <laughs> that was the deal. It was close, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm just doing mop buckets. So I can be the first one." <laughs> no, you flirted with it last week. To be fair, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. All right. Well, been there, watched that. Yeah. Show number three in the books. This is uh, David with Joe Can and you, Justin. Uh, tell me again, Joe, where to find. Uh, yeah, there you go. Good call. Check out all our reviews at beentherewatchthat.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at btwtpod. But all right. uh, for all that information, beentherewatchthat.com. For all news, reviews, and everything, it's beentherewatchthat. Yeah, all, Joe doing all the hard work behind the yeah. scenes. Justin, you and I just show up. We're the talent. Yep. And, <laughs> That's uh, right. And Joe's the hard, busy bee behind the scenes taking care of all that stuff. Yeah. So good credit where credit's due, Joe. So good job on that one, buddy. I appreciate it. Okay. Well, we'll be back next week with Justin's pick. Be sure to join us and check out all our podcasts and all the information Joe just talked about because I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's it. Show number three in the books, guys. Good job.